and 26 is a great number because that it's is a lucky number. number. It's uh, a lucky number. It is a lucky number. So here we are, folks. Wood Aaron Metal number 26. We got Mr. Tim Murth down below me from my perspective, and that's what all that counts because that's what I'm looking at. And the infamous Guitar Doctor Wizard of the Neck. 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 Good lord. Niels Daza. I tried to say Neil and Neck at the same time, and it came out. Uh, <laughs> good to Dr. be here, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. thanks for being here. Yeah, that down. reminded me, Adam, when you said that. Neil, you, you might have to tell us, what's what's the craziest way anyone said your name before? You know, it's so funny that you say that because I think the name is simple, right? Yeah. Zaza. How do you misspell that, right? Or how do you, like, it is what it is. You know, it's not short. You know, my father was like, it's not short. It's Zaza over from Italy and stuff. But, man, uh, maybe not as much saying it, but like writing it like there's always the dreaded space between zon zon oh yeah <laughs> there's always the uh the capital z small a capital z small a and then there's uh the zsa zsa or zz like it's Did you, what so... is it like tsa you ever get something like that like the jaja kind of thing <laughs> yeah like it's there's so many derivations like uh, of they just try to make it more difficult than it is, but it, it is what it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all fun and games until you get your name printed the wrong way. Like, That's right. Listen, and I'm not knocking anyone with the last name of Smith, but um, <laughs> for what I do, I'm glad I was born with this last name, right? Just yeah, because sure. love it or hate it, you always, people seem to remember it or, you know, so. Yeah, oh, totally. totally. Especially when you got an electric guitar part of it. That always helps. So. Right, exactly, exactly. So let's start with you know your 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 totally typical interview questions. How did you get start started playing guitar? You know, honestly, I I, I wasn't. Um, well, the, the, the humor story I was I was to say, well, I wanted girls back in the day, you know, in high school because I wasn't athletic, and you know, like all the guitar players I see, you guys are. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. But, you know, the truth be told, I always loved music. And I always, you know, really felt a kinship in music. But what really got me started, like really lit the fire under me is, and I tell the story all the time, which is I heard Van Halen 1. I heard, I remember the exact place I was. I was in backseat of uh one of my buddies uh brothers was driving and we were going somewhere he had like a 74 72 cutlass supreme and he puts in uh you know van halen one and i'm just you know some junior high kid or whatever and i hear and like literally and i'm not even joking try to like dramatize this like that changed my life hearing and so from that moment on, like, it, it, it literally was life-changing. Like, I'm playing guitar. I don't know what. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what. But the, 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 uh, the electricity, the energy, the sheer testosterone, the, the, like everything about that. those first chords of running with the devil, man, you got to be kidding me. Like, mm-hmm. there is no, uh, you know, I, I've never been a, a, a druggie, a, like a straight edge, but I can't imagine there's any drug in the world as great as those first chords were for a young, impressionable lad like me hearing <laughs> Run With the Devil. I mean, oh, that yeah. was like, 
you know, and then how many years later, here I am still chasing, still chasing it <laughs> because of those chords. So, you know, so how about, about how old were you then? Uh, I don't know. I was probably 14, 15, something like that. You know, uh, did so, you play any like piano or like in the band, high school band or any of that kind of stuff? Did you have any other things going on? No, I, uh, I wanted, you know, I, I, I started, you know, lessons at the YMCA, you know, Mel Bay book one and all that's, you know, as I, right. We all do. Sure. I only got what it's Mel Bay book one is the blue book and it goes to the green book. And, and then I, 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 I don't know. Has I anyone actually, I wonder, book. I always wondered, has anyone ever made it to like Mel book? Eight, like volume eight or whatever. I don't know. Right. I know the no, last book nice. is gray. It's like this it's... mystical gray because no <laughs> one gets to it. You know? but, but I started, I started at the YMCA and, um, you know, learn how to read and doing, you know, learning, learning some, learning like sweet home Alabama or more than a feeling or something like that. And, uh, you know, from there I would just, I would just learn tunes, but that, that's where I actually started is just, I, I just love music and I, uh, I wanted to play songs of the day, and from there it just developed, you know. So did you do it, like, when you were learning the songs, was it, like, obviously you had a little bit of time at the YMCA, but were you doing more stuff just predominantly, like, sitting there with a turntable and your guitar figuring it out by ear, or how would you say, like, you were getting those tunes of the day? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really great question, Adam. Um, it, it really was the, the stereotypical... Uh, 19 mid 19 mid to late 1970s where like um you had the the record or the 45 and then you had the record player that was in the living room and it you know uh, uh, you know kids don't know this these days but it was like 16 33 and 45 right so yep. now you got the record you put it on 16 and it slows it down and you're like okay what is that rip so i like i remember with, with like a lot of the van halen records like how did he was the tap what's the sequence of that you know you know <laughs> or like then you're like i really i can't hear it still too fast okay now we gotta get the 45 and slow it down to 16. i know the pitch goes way crazy but um then you start listening so i i did i did learn a lot by i, I had to by ear because as you guys know back in the day mm -hmm. there was no uh you can't wait hey, you can't go online or even right. the era before where we're at now there was no um guitar for the practicing musician that you could go to and get the latest tabs of something sure. or, you know like you had you had to work it out so you know not to be that old man it used to be in my day but you know it, it really it helped out you know yeah. I, I don't i don't know if i'm not saying kids these days don't have the ear i'm just saying that's all we had right you know so Exactly. Well, like literally, our last podcast was talking exactly about that, like ear training and so on, yeah. and throwing people into the deep end of the pool with just just use your ear. Like we were talking about uh, Michael Jackson and how he used to write stuff, where it was just him, his voice, and a four track, coming up with all the stuff, singing right. that, organizing it, and walking in, in the studio and be like, "Here's this chord, da da da," and having them play it, and then like organizing it type of thing. Um, so that, you know, clearly that was tremendously helpful because you're uh, where you are right now with that uh, training with that. So between like you started around 14, which is where I, I started around. Um, and then Tim, you started at what, like 10, like 11, 10, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. So 
And then, like, from that, how how much time did you put in, like, at the beginning till like, uh, let's see, your first, I hate to use the words, like, big break, but, like, when you started recording or something like that. Wait, 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 can we right? back up a second? Um, yeah. So, so you started learning at the Y and all those kind of things, and you maybe you, you probably, did you start bands and stuff, too? Like, were you playing in, like, bands in high school, middle school? Like, I, I was, I was playing in bands, and in fact, uh, uh, Tim, let me get back to, real quick to, I just remembered your initial question. Was I in band in school or anything like oh, yeah. that? And I have to say, I've been scarred and I need therapy for it because I still hold a real effing grudge for it, which is um, I always wanted to be in like stage band in, in junior high and high school. But the, uh, the requirement was to, to be in stage band, uh, you had to play uh, uh, another instrument in band, like trumpet or drums oh, right, or yes. like i only i only play guitar like can i play can i can i i know the chords and so they never let me in stage band i'm still pissed to this very day right. <laughs> we'll, so. we'll find that teacher <laughs> bring him on no, like, so as far as bands um yeah so we would um a, a, a big band for me back in the day was the car Okay, so like my first big, I mean, if, if we're really going to dredge down that road, my first big public performance was the talent show in like 78 or something at Nordonia Junior High. And we did, we did the Cars medley. So we did Just What I Needed and <laughs> nice. Good Friend Roll and Best Friend's Girl. And, you know, so like we just learned it by ear and played it. And so, yeah, I, I, I always loved playing in bands and going to rehearsals and going to the garage and cranking up and getting the cops called on us and you know just <laughs> typical right. dumb stuff you know so cool very cool yeah and i guess yes yeah, so i'm going on to adam's question yeah then. rephrase no. that question so how I, I guess you could sum it up with how much did you practice to get oh. to like up to I, I don't want to say like the big break to to where you kind of like establish yourself was it like you know you, that's all that you would do like you're I'm, I'm assuming you're probably obsessed like the rest of us where it was just like what like social life no i have to i have to practice or i'm just going to practice like oh wait i was supposed to go out oh well you know type of thing. no that, that, that's exactly right and i think we all share that the dna that lineage of that which is you know, we we all individually became obsessed with the guitar and music. So I practiced uh, every every minute that I could. You know, we get home from school, mm -hmm. um, we practice all night, all weekend. You know, we're at school and we're sitting at the desk, and you know, maybe we're supposed to where it's you know, and I I'm I'm reading Guitar Player magazine in, in my folder. It's in my sure. folder. Like maybe some dudes had like penthouse or something but i had like guitar player <laughs> magazine and then like I, you know i had a i had a crappy job being a phone solicitor right for basement waterproofing but like i i had guitar player magazine out and i was like looking at all the the mxr effects that i was going to buy with the money from this nasty nasty job you know like like it was always everything was always funneled into this one vision which is just play the guitar so yeah listen did i did i go out a lot no did i have a social life no 
did you know was i socially stunted probably at that age <laughs> hell yeah you know like you know you're awkward as it is in your early mid-teens and you know like i had no interest in going out drinking or like like it, it, it i just want to play guitar yeah. that's that's all that mattered to me you know mm-hmm. yeah. and today even today it's still the same thing like i, I rarely go out I, i'd rather be working in my studio writing music i'm sure as just you guys too like this is what we do this is who we are you know mm-hmm. so yep. take a break for what like <laughs> why <laughs> why break I have, to, I have to tell you, like, because, like, this is what we do. You know, I, I consider myself a workaholic with, with this stuff. You know, like, I, there's nothing else I want to do. I, I want to, I want to work, ten, twelve hours a day, right? So I, I it drives me crazy. I'm sorry, I'm airing some pet peeves early on. In the podcast, safe company. But, uh, you know, people go like, people like, you know, why, why don't you just. Just get away. Take a break. Why, let, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, you know, and they don't understand that. Like, you think I'm stressed now or I, I'm focused. <laughs> Take me away for two days and I will be unbearable because I may be, I may be miserable. I say miserable with air quotes. Of course. I may be miserable working all day, uh, you know, mixing or doing whatever I'm doing. But at least I'm doing it. At least I'm, right. I'm alleviating that pressure, right? But, you know, come on, why don't you just, you know, just put it away for you to step away. Oh, my God. Like, so there's always a, you know, uh, there's always an understanding that people don't have, like, no, 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 the torture is the cure. Mm-hmm. That, that, it's the same thing. So, Adam, no, we were talking totally about that because we, bo- we both went on vacations recently. And it's like, but we can't go on vacation without a guitar. Like, it'd it'd be miserable for our families if we went, if we didn't bring a guitar. Like, like, I know we need to chill and like, but but you can't get to that place because you're just like, I know I need to be working on this or working on that or it's never ending. So it's, yeah, it's really cool because um, uh, my girlfriend, Teresa, she, she's a singer. So like now this upcoming weekend, she's, at the island singing right but she gets she understands me a hundred percent so like i bring my guitar i bring my laptop because i'm going to do some guitar pro transcriptions and start learning stuff for one dark night uh, for this year but like i'll work all day and then she'll go do her show and i'll see you when you get home honey love you like and i'm it, I, and i'm like i just work all day so even when we take the ferry over to put in bay right like, I'm getting ready to get to work. I'm excited. Like mm-hmm. I have the day in the room with the laptop and the guitar and I have a little practice amp and I get like, I'm working. So like that yeah. is relaxing for me. So, you know, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we had a debate, like not a fight, but my wife and I had a debate about taking my guitar in the honeymoon. Like, should we, should we not? And so what was the answer? The answer is I left at home. I was smart. It's like I, I was smart with that one. So lose the battle, win the war. <laughs> to an extent, yep. So and that like this past vacation was like I, I can't go without a guitar. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. It's not I I get too irritable. I I need the, the outlet. I need because all I can see and it, it, obviously we can all commiserate. All I can see is that the goal is now further away. 
and further away. And all that work that I could have gone to towards my creating something is like, it's just, it's, and that's just frustrating. It's like, I, I gotta get it out of me. Let me, let me just do this work and then everything's happy. And so it was this past vacation. I would practice, you know, everybody would be up in the morning. They'd all go to the beach. I'd sit down, practice for a couple hours and then go join them at the breathe. And it was a lot of fun. It was great. But if I didn't have that couple of hours, I would have been like, what do I, what do I do? No, and, and, and it, it may not even be, you know, like for you, you're, you're practicing for some performances and stuff. For me, um, on this record, so I'm working on production or I'm doing strings or I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, like there's always work to do, you know? And so I always laugh when the stereotypical musician, like, I want to be a musician, you know, I want to, I want to hang out, grow my hair along meet chicks, drink a lot, like, man, it is, the, the real musicians, it is so not about mm -hmm. any of that. You know, you, we've seen the memes, what they think I do, right. what I really do, <laughs> yeah, yep. you know, it's it's so true, so, you know. Oh, like you wouldn't believe, <laughs> so, this is the way that it goes. So with that, let's talk about Sing. That's your first official album, right? Um. I had uh, I, I had two records before Sing. I had my very very first one uh, was uh, Two Hands One Heart, um, and it was um, I, I almost don't even consider that a record. It, it might have been like a demo. You know, like I it, it doesn't even sound like me. It, it was it was my. Oh, it, that's a term no one uses anymore. Have you noticed that? No one uses the term demo? demo anymore. It's like it's gone. Yeah. Because everyone just yeah, they just release whatever real, they make. Least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird. No, I never thought about it until just really now. True. Yeah. Or think or like pre-production. Are you kidding? Like you just do it and then maybe you fix it, but it it, it could right. all end up being released. So, you know. Anyway, That's I cut you off, but I, I was just I was like, man, I haven't I haven't really thought of the term demo in forever. No one really thinks like that much anymore. Hmm. But you know it's interesting not to get on a tangent, but you know you would you would prepare to go in a, a big studio, but right. now really how we do things like look at where we're all sitting, it, it's our studio. We can get everything done that we need. So yeah. um, everything, you know, I, I realize though when, when I record, everything could be usable. So <laughs> I always try to play the best I can because then maybe I don't have to replay it down sure. the road or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, to, uh, so first, first thing, first record, or, or uh, first, I'll say record was two hands, one heart, kind of a Neanderthal effort, you know, uh, just, it's really an amalgamation of like everyone that I was listening to at the time that I didn't sound like them. And I paled uh, greatly in comparison, you know, like mm -hmm. who was I, who was I listening to, man? Uh, Tony McAlpine or mm -hmm. like all the shrapnel guys, you know, so that was, that was that. And then the next one I did, uh, my, my next record after that was thrills and chills. And I went down to San Antonio, Texas, and I worked with uh, a, a great, he was a, a pop artist and a great producer, Michael Morales. And that's where things started turning for me. Like he, he, he showed me, I needed that education. Like, Hey man, you're out of tune. You know, like, like, like we, and he said, once you hear tuning, it'll always drive you crazy. Or like, I brought a a demo of 
uh, like some of the songs I want to do for the record. And, you know, very, uh, very political. You know, he's like, this is great. It's cool. All right. Well, let's 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 try to do a record where it doesn't sound like a guitar player wrote it. So, you know, like, let, let's, let's try to write some songs is what he was saying. And it was it was amazing because that's what I needed to learn. That was the education. No one showed me that stuff. So that was um, that was thrills and chills. And then the next one was sing. And then that's where that's where things started to kind of elevate for me a little bit. So you know? were those working bands at that point, too? Or was that mostly just you writing stuff and then working with friends and whatever? Good question. That was that was just me writing, yeah. and then we would use different guys, uh, you know, whoever was around, or you know, if I had you know the band at the time. Mm-hmm. The next, the next CD after Sing uh, is where I really got into the template, and I started using really good players. So uh, the next record after Sing was Staring at the Sun. And then I started taking everything I learned from like the thrills and chills era and some of the sing stuff. And then I, I really started writing more songs, less shred fest crap, you know? <laughs> and um, then on that record, I had Steve Smith and Ross Valerie from journey Bunch of playing on it. <laughs> and uh, like, so then, it, then that's where, that's where the, the, the modern day Neil, if I could say that, started really that was like ground zero like yeah, that other I think stuff that's when i first was, had heard about you um i think sing, sing was already out and then that this was staring at the sun is always is that what it's called yeah yeah that i remember that coming out so i must have heard about right. you like right around that time that was happening yeah and this is right when the instrumental guitar was kind of peaking you know what was that like late 80s Something like that. Of course, I I was late to that dance. So, you know, like that, I, I, I was, I was just too late to, uh, to, to catch that wave. So, you know, like I see a lot of guys that had great success in that time period. They, it still maintained because they had such a great integration (laughs) into, into everything from that time. But, um, it's okay. Listen, everyone has their own pace and their own time that they you know you, you can't rush who you are and when you find out who you are you know so mm-hmm. it just it just takes time and it's on your own schedule not anyone else's so you know it's okay time wise so cool very yeah. cool now were you doing with all your concerts it was just strict solo guitar just uh, that was uh, i i i I'll just use the terminology. I know I hate to. That's how you kind of marketed yourself as the solo electric guitar thing. Or did you have like a singer at times to kind of pad stuff? Like what to, during the earlier years? Yeah, what? yeah. Um, once I embarked on the instrumental side of things, which was early early nineties, um, I never looked back. Like I always, you know, my joke I still make to this very day. Like people say, "Hey man, where's your lead singer? I where where's your, where?" the holding guitar this is my lead singer you know so i never i never wanted to deal with it i never wanted like once i once i made the decision to what i wanted to do then i i never i i never did pad anything with it you know listen uh, for an encore when i have someone come out and sing a tune and we do a hendrix tune or some barn burner tune yeah maybe but 
the show was always what it was, which was just, you know, guitar and stuff like that. So. Yeah, when we saw you at the, uh, doing the one Dark Night, the first one you did uh, two years ago? Yeah. Uh, yep. You did uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of These. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty wild. <laughs> that was a, one way to bring down the house with that. That was great. So, so you know, but in that, um, you know, we're, we're uh, and I say it, it for, in, a, in a complimentary way, we're musos, right? So we love to hear music and we love to hear the intricacies and we not only like the music but we we look at the 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 craft of it and how's he playing and what's the sound and what, like there's all kind of elements that we we can attach to but the average joe six-pack um sometimes they're like they need a singer or something to to bring them back so yeah, sure. even in my shows to this very day up until what we're gonna do on thursday I, I realized like you could only bend the, the the and I say in a good in a nice way Joe the Joe six pack here the everyday listener you know three four tunes let's throw a take on me in but the instrumental ripping version and then a few a little bit more let's do highway star you know in a little bit so especially with you know one dark night that you mentioned like that's heavy heavy like. Uh, uh, high in intake music, you know, like there's a lot of stuff. So you got to give them a little sugar in there. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, cool. I know that song. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. So you did learn something over the years. No, <laughs> no I, I, I did because, you know, you could see, you could see when people like the, the ebb and flow of the energy of a show, right? Right. So you're playing and they're like, yeah, I'm into this and doing a few, like doing a few high up time numbers, you a ballad. They're like, cool. And then you see like this haze starts happening <laughs> and they're like, I'm loving it. It's just really cool. Yeah. I'm like, uh, do I need a beer? Do I have to go to the bathroom? And then you go, bam. And that's when you hit them with something, you know? Yeah, so sure. you got to reel them back in. So, uh, you know, and that really is not to go off on a tangent, but you know, um, instrumental music is is an interesting beast because is instrumental music for instrumentalists? Like, would average people go to see something a, a high intensity instrumental stuff? Like, someone gave me an example one time. Like, who goes to see Kenny G? And <laughs> and, and it, it, it is a funny question, but like. You know, I did at one point, but uh, you know, like it's your it's your mom, it's the secretary, it's your school teacher, right? Like normal normal everyday people, like musos probably wouldn't go see Kenny G, but instrumental music works if it's tailored a little bit towards mass consumption in that way. I, I just find that I find it interesting. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Who, yes, he, why? Why does he get people, but then other things don't? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but it, I just posed the question. You know. So, yeah, so I saw uh, Pat Metheny, and he he was playing with. Um, he did a double bill. It was him and why am I blanking on the other guy's name? Uh, it was just a couple of years ago, but he was a singer songwriter, pretty popular guy, and I'm from the '80s, '90s. Um, anyway, I, the other guy went first. Pat Metheny was the headliner. 
And it was his right. group with like, um, gosh, I'm really blank on everyone's name. But it, anyway, his, uni- his unity band group with Chris Potter and all those guys. So it's just like killing band. Right. But I was, right. The, the first band, the first guy sang. So like the whole audience, like they were into it and they heard, they heard the whole thing. And, and even though Pat was the headliner, like people started leaving <laughs> because like it, it was all instrumental, you know, and they just couldn't take that much music. And I noticed too, for myself, that like you were talking about musicians, like, I don't think I heard one word the other guy said. Like, it didn't compute to me because I was hearing the music that was playing. Right. So when he was singing, like, all the, like, jokes and stuff and the lyrics and whatever, like, I didn't hear any of it. I just realized I actually couldn't hear it. It was really fascinating to me because I was paying too much attention to everything else. So I kind of missed it. And then I noticed that the other people probably didn't hear all the music, but they did hear the words. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating um, no, experience. you bring up a really good point because I always say, like, uh, l- let's take, let's go he- real heavy, right? Let's go, the, right? I'm not yeah. making fun of the style of music at all, but you don't know what they're saying at all, yeah. correct? I, you, no one understands what they're saying. And, and so, but people, it's a voice, but people deem that more listenable. <laughs> then I'm gonna we'll say Pat Matheny because you used him as an example. Yeah, sure. But I find that so crazy because a it, it's like percussive, and it's it's you don't understand. There's no one that's but it's a but yet it, it gets a higher echelon of interest because it's a vocal tune. It, does that mean you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, oh, it, yeah. it is. Oh. It's fascinating. It's all fascinating. Yeah, it's like you almost get just having like one word, even like maybe you didn't hear any other words, but you got like two of the words, you know, and that's like enough to like bring the human thing in or something. I don't know. It's fascinating. It's it's insane. Yeah. One of the things that kind of like pulled me into because I used to not be a fan of the whole screaming, distorted, like type of thing. But and I don't say I don't know if it was you, Tim, or if it was just something I came up with on my own. But as soon as I started to listen to it as one an instrumental line like taking away the idea of this is vocals but rather looking at it like it's an instrument and the, yeah the voice is an instrument well i get that but the point is, is to separate the humanness aspect of it and the second thing that happened is just like wait this is just distortion on a voice like it is on a guitar right it's literally the same line coming out they're just doing something with their vocal cords in the shape of the mouth to kind of twist that into something distorted but it's still instrumental in that. When I got into that headspace, listening to that music for me, it's like, I get it. Like, that's one of the things that drives the kids crazy every time they get, you know, I'll take them in the car, turn it on, it'll connect to my phone and uh-huh. comes over the radio. And they're like, what, dad, what the hell? Oh, sorry, guys, sorry. <laughs> you know, that goes from that to Philip Glass to wherever else in between. But I think the, uh, I don't know where exactly I was heading with that, but, the, I guess my point is that like I can get that type of emotional energy from the voice with that. And I think that's part of maybe what connects that to the audience is that everybody knows if somebody's screaming, it's generally not because they're super happy, you know, or whichever. Like there's an emotive uh, of instinct behind that. So maybe, and I'm just trying to bridge that gap between like, why does that, like, you know, why is Cannibal Corpse in one sense packing out places compared to Pat Matheny just 
keeping that thing together. Uh, even though I think Matheny might have more of a draw right now, but I don't know. But uh, regardless of that point, that like, why would that happen with those distinct styles of music? And I think that one of them has to do with more of a uh, biological response to hearing that because it's universal. Like everybody knows that that type of guttural thing is portraying some type of emotive thing. Whereas where it's instrumental, it's kind of doing its thing and playing through and doing the lines and we can follow it and that's great. But there's that lack of primal connection. <laughs> I agree. I, I think it's, I think I'll, it, I'm going to dive in, but a little bit left to center here. Um, it's sometimes the music is too crafty to connect. Um, so mm -hmm. let, let me give it, I'll make this story short, but so there's a band that, that shall remain unnamed. I, 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 I don't want to say what it is. I saw them. I saw them one time at NAM, and I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. It was too, it was all muso, uh, time bullshit. Like it was like I hate the, any of that stuff, you know. And I and I'll be the first to admit, my delicate sensibilities lie in something really pretty. Like I love like Neil Sean or like the Beatles esque or ELO or like I like I have a certain melodic sensibility that that I love. So anything else sometimes really gets on my nerves. But anyway, I saw this band. So then I was forced to go see them another time by this booking agent of mine. And I saw, and so we're there and I'm, I'm like, oh man, I like the, the music was driving me crazy. And, you know, like drummers like gets up, Hey, uh, you know, the, the, this next tune is uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it, it's next minute, it's at 15, 16. So it's going to feel like, a, like, you know, to me, there's no emotional connection. There's no, it's, it's all just looking at lines and numbers that are, there's, there's no emotional connection. I don't care what, at least for me, you know, some people I was with, you know, at the end of the show, like, Oh my God, that was just, that was just life changing. And, and I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, I'm thinking like, how can you, and that's the, that's the power of music, right? The power of music is, it moves some people and you either love it or hate it. So because of that night, I, I, I walked out of that venue and I said, my next record and the next record was going to be peach. I am writing the simplest, most <laughs> direct melody. I am not changing. Like it is going to be like back in black, but instrumental, like really, because I, hate anything that is so And I'm not, I'm not judging. I mean, these guys are fantastic musicians and it's, it's great. And a lot of people love it. I'm just saying for me, like it, it's, it's, it's about the song, right? It, it's about the melody. It's about the, 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 the emotional connection of it. Like, I think sometimes we as musicians, uh, we look too, too much at the painting, you know? So for instance, 
you know, you go up to the Mona Lisa instead of stepping back and saying, wow, that's a beautiful girl, which she not really is not that beautiful. But <laughs> that is really a beautiful painting. I, I see what the artist is really trying to do. And yeah, man, I love it. I'm, I'm feeling it. You know, the, 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 mu the musician musos are, are like up one centimeter from the thing. Do you see the brush stroke? He must have used some rustic rock with oil and he, the brush stroke. He went like we're looking too close <laughs> at the construction of what it is versus do you enjoy it? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. So that, that's just me. I, I, I go off on tangents with that stuff, but. Oh, no, totally. You know, I get that. It's like uh, it's me. I love that style. Personally, I, I love it, but I also flip to like the complete opposite of like uh, to Oliver Arnold, who's an Icelandic composer. And I, I'm totally sounding like this is supposed to be common knowledge. But anyways, that much to say, Oliver is like very simple melodic stuff, super, you know, very minimalist, you know, and just gorgeous writing. You know, you can just swim in right. it and nothing crazy times. It's just all in, generally in four and very major key very straightforward, but God, the emotive sense that he pulls from right. that is intense. And I, I, I like my, the, my Apple music like list is probably they're looking at it at Apple or the NSA or whatever and going like, what the hell is with this guy? Cause he's literally <laughs> pendulum. Does he just have it on random? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's so, but I get your points with that. And there, it, for myself, when I'm listening to things, it's like there's days where it is nothing but yeah. Give me the 2116. I don't care. Give me something. I, I need that type of disjointed aggression. That's beautiful though. That's other it's like I'm on. Nope, I need something simple, or I'm on choir music, or or I'm here. It might be ADD for music for me, and like even with my own uh, like concert selections, like as I'm picking the pieces, there's some that I just can't get away with. I was just commiserating with Tim. Uh, I think that was his last podcast or cast or texting. It's like I just can't drop the nine nine eight. I just can't drop that Bach piece, no right. matter how much I want to. I, it always is. It is it, always a part of it, no matter what I do. Um, but there's other stuff that I just couldn't wait to ditch. It's like, God, I'm playing this and never again. Like, if I never have to play Canon and D again, I would never oh do it. God. But that's just, you know, that's just like, for weddings, though, right? Yeah, but that's, that's just like the wedding. classical free bird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, this last wedding I did, I uh, somebody in the audience was talking about, like, we should yell out free bird or, or, or stairway to heaven. And it was a small, but like 30 people outside type of thing. And I heard her and I looked at her and I just did the intro to stairway. You know, I got a whole row of people laughing. Right. At right. One of the bridesmaids gave me a dirty look like, what the heck are you doing? And then I'm just I'm like, listen to the laughter. It was a joke. You know, we haven't even started any of the official stuff yet. And then I switched back into the, right. into the pretty nice. back on you. But it was just uh, one of those. Neil, Neil, you but, have a song like that, though, right? I'm All Right. You've played that how many thousand times, probably? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that was Office Sing, and that was, that was uh, you know, I, I, it was just a, I don't want to say it's a, it was like kind of a filler tune on the record. I didn't know, you right. know. And, of course, I, I go overseas, and all of a sudden, like, people know this tune, and it's mm -hmm. like, like, it's, it was, I, I don't know where it came from, but like, it's, it's, it's my, again, air quoting, you know, it's my hit and right. um, everyone wants to hear that one. So I'll play it for you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. When everybody's dazed over. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that it is, you know, though, though sometimes I, I do, I do smile as, as I play that because I'm like, it, it's crazy. Like I'm over in 
China, I'm over in uh, Singapore, I'm over, you know, we're playing and I play that tune. And and when the place comes down, I mean, it's, and that's awesome. Like, like, like I'm pretty lucky that at least something I did caught on. Right. So I can't imagine being guns and roses and having like, mega hits that you just play around the world that people know and love. You know, so. I saw a John Mayer on an interview and he was talking about how he's like, it's never the song you thought was like, he's like, this is the song on the album. Like, this is the one I feel really good about. It's like, it's never that one. And it's never necessarily the worst one where you like just made it to the record, but it's like that sort of like mid one where you're like, it's, it's pretty good, I think. And then that happens to be the one that everyone resonates with, you know? Yeah, so was that crazy. one it wasn't it wasn't this one that i like that's the one i, I thought it would be yeah. that one yeah no and then you know i i i second guess like how i named it like it was the first tune i wrote for sing so i was like okay cool i'm all right i can do this like i i, I could write i could write more songs i got this i'm all right so you know i should have called it sing or like <laughs> there's a million better titles but of course I'm stuck with I'm all right now. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's worse. Things. How do you know? Right. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you never know. And that's the quirky thing. You, you write it and it kind of takes a life of its own. Like it just, whoop, all of a sudden that one that you're thinking, Oh, this is kind of, eh, it, it's done. It's out there. I like it. Cool. I can keep going. All of a sudden that's the one that everybody latches onto. <laughs> well, it was weird because so, so a label took, took sing and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in Ohio here. I, I I didn't know anything. So they asked if I wanted to bring my band over and play this, this festival. And it was in uh, South Korea. And uh, like, sure, man, I never been to Korea before. Let's do out. Let's go. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I got there and again, like they don't tell me anything. So like I got there, I'm one of the headliners of this thing. I've never been there before. Um, it was like me if you ever heard of the band Soil Work, sure. um, and uh, I forget who else it was, N- another band where the headlines, it's it's the Busan International Rock Festival, which is a like I didn't know what the hell what that was either, you know. <laughs> so we come out and it's like I'm not joking, thirty thousand people <laughs> back up against the ocean, and like I, like banners, I'm all right, you know, <laughs> or like, you know. Zaza, you know, and then afterwards I'm, I'm, I'm signing autographs and they're like, Zaza, Zaza. And like, uh, like they have, I'm all right. Or melodia as their ringtones. And like, like it was just, it was surreal because like, I didn't know that that was even going on. It was, I was like, ringtone. I'm not getting paid for that. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, but, uh, I call my uh, it, it manager was, was after that. So, yeah. you know, the best plan you could never plan stuff like that. So, you know, anyway, that's awesome. Very, very cool. So and you're like, Oh man, then I need a band. Don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was cool. They, they flew, they flew my band out too. So that was, I got to do that. I didn't have to do that to tracks or anything like that. It was a band. Yeah, that's so that was cool. Yeah. So with the, I mean, obviously, and well, not to bring it up to date, but so most of your touring, is that like in the, in the, the, is it Orient the right word? In Asia, Asia Pacific area in terms of overseas, or do you hit Europe? Oh wait, you do a lot of stuff in Italy as well, and the the European legs and stuff like that. Well, at least did until everything comes back to to where <laughs> it needs to be, um, type of thing. But uh, 
with all that, you know, was this a common, like, just kind of piggyback off of the band thing. So they flew you all out for South Korea, but when you're doing a European leg or an Asia Pacific leg, is it like bands that you have kind of like waiting for you, quote unquote, like guys that you'll play with over there, just, you know, for money reasons and passport reasons, all the other stuff, you know, you have like different local bands that are your backup things with that. It's a great question. Um, great, great question. So, it depends on what area I go to as to what I use or what I do. So like I, up until the pandemic, of course, you know, I guess it's, uh, there's, you know, BC and AD now there's before the <laughs> pandemic, whatever that might be. Um, I, I did, I did China two to three times a year, a month at a time. So I was over there months throughout the, the, the year. So in China, the promoter, I, but I understand that he um, he won't bring the band over because where I play, uh, it, it's it's sold out, it's packed. So he, rightfully he says, "What does it matter if I bring the band over? Because it's not going to sell any more tickets for me, but it's just gonna it's gonna quadruple the expense of the tour." So I, I do understand. I mean, he's right. But if I do Japan or I do singapore i do i did malaysia or uh, indonesia or anything like that i'll use a band or i've been hitting europe pretty hard until you know and that's full band so so i really don't do a lot of track gigs except for china china is all track and um just to cut to the present now with the the (laughs) situation The, in, the impending dust storm coming back again. You see oh, yeah. the cloud coming back. I think we all feel it. You know, I have this impending sense of doom. Like, you know, I think I'll do more fly dates and track dates that are already booked. Like the my booking agent is booked, um, you know, like uh, California, Mexicali, or we're doing uh, some East Coast, New York. To, so some little runs where I'll, I'll track it versus um band but you know band is always the preferred way to go mm-hmm. but you know what what can you do so. so with all the gigs in like china in particular do you have gear stored over there or do you fly it all over yeah. okay no i um i have a whole rig of everything over there so i i have a a, a few pelicans of like i have a, a fractal over there i have a kiesel i i have over there i have all my cables, my, I have uh, an inner monitor set there. Like I have everything. So I don't, I just have to get on the plane and get off. And, um, right. you know, it, 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 make it, sense it sounds anymore, really cool right? until yeah. like the last time I, I toured, we left my gear at some studio and I get it. I, I, I open my guitar case and I normally zip tie the, the case so that the, the two zippers are zip. Yeah. So no one can get into stuff. I'm like, it's broke like what like so someone clipped it and they're using my gear you know like playing and, and, and you know my i forget what was broke the tuning machine or it's like are you kidding me you know so but for the most part it's easier to to leave gear there and then in europe i have another set of gear sitting waiting there too so i have i have i think two key soles and uh uh, uh pelicans full of gear again so 
uh, I just have to walk on a plane and I can get off in my gears there. So nice, nice. It, it, it sounds, sounds all rock star, but it, it's the only way because the airlines are killing us. I know. Oh horrible. yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Killing. Yeah. I get so paranoid when I have to fly. It's ridiculous. You know, because the unfortunate thing, and this is clearly a classical musician thing. It's like, we keep one instrument. That's our concert instrument. And that's right. it. And so it's like, I go onto a plane. It's like, uh, I really hope I can take this on. And even when I take it on, I'm still like, it's in the overhead bin and I'm still just like, you know, nervous the whole way. Twitch my fingers. Like, I just want to get off and walk out with the guitar and everything will be okay. Sure. That's all. I don't know. Cause I had one bad experience and that like ruins even to this day. It's like always makes me paranoid to fly. No matter how much insurance I have, how much they assure me that it's going to be on there. It's like, I believe it when I'm walking off and my guitar is totally fine. That's that's just the way that it is. Like I burn once, it's all it takes. So I know, uh, and, I, and you're really at the um, the mercy of the gate agent or like so right. when going overseas, seven forty sevens are the best because they have all kind of overhead room that, and all the the bins are long enough that can accommodate. But these these Airbuses now. The, yeah. the, the overhead is starting to is, make them smaller. Yeah. Right. So that you all, the only thing you have on an Airbus 380 or whatever is the, the, the front closet. And if, if they're in a dicky mood, mm-hmm. you, you're done. Yep. So yep. I always, you know, hi, how you doing? You know, I just, Hey, do you mind? Can I, can I leave this in there? You know, like such a pain. Oh, it's oh yeah. My mom I, I travel a lot life. too, and I I always take a guitar. It's always they'll they'll hand you those gate check things too, you know, and you're like, oh, thanks, and I just put it in my back pocket. <laughs> I, I just got. Um, I'm going to start touring with it. Uh, have you seen those Anki um, road cases? Like they 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 come off. They're they're real hard plastic and putting their their ATA flight. Nice. Uh, anyway, mm. so I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I guess Are they I pretty small then bag, too? They're really light. Um, they're like you could fit two guitars, and it's it, it's under fifty pounds, and it's less than the weight of like carrying two guitars. It's crazy. Wow. So, so I, I got to start putting them underneath and something because, like, the flying has just been horrific lately. With you know, they're sure. killing us. So man. when you first went to Korea. What year was, do you remember what year that was then? It was, uh, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is 2000 maybe. Okay. So the airlines still suck then. I was gonna say, <laughs> I know it was about a decade, right. a decade or so before that though, people were flying with like heads and stuff and putting them in the overhead oh. bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I always say, I never, I never got to experience people, that. You should charge people to put bags in the plane and not charging to put them underneath because you know all these oh, yeah. people they don't want to put the, the bags underneath i know i'm screwing myself by saying that but <laughs> you know like everyone's put no one wants to check it because it's expensive so they all bring it on board and then it takes forever and everyone is pissed because you know whereas if you would make the underneath free everyone will just put everything underneath yeah i don't know so Maybe. You know, you know, I used to, sometimes I used to feel bad at first putting my guitar up because people would walk by and they'd be like going to put their personal bag or, you know, their bag up there. And they're like, oh man, there's a guitar and they have to go to the next one. And then, but you see so many people put their like 
bag that's supposed to go under the seat up there and they put their jacket of up course. there. I'm like, if I'll put my, I'll take my guitar down as soon as everyone else takes all their other like jackets out and other crap that they put up there. Yep. You know. Or I, I try to explain to the gate agent, like if you let me go on first, I'll put the guitar in the back of the bin. Right. Yeah. So then people just put their stuff in front of me. But if you, if I have to go on mid group, Oh yeah. Now there's nowhere to, for me to put it because no one's going to. So if, let me get on, let me put it in the back and they can put everything and push it back. Yeah. You know, so luckily though, one of oh, those Asia the, trips probably gets you practically like platinum status, right? Yeah. I was, I was racking some good miles. So uh, <laughs> you get to get on first anyway. right? So, so now everything, you know, I thought, I thought 21 was going to be, Oh man, I'm going to be back, but it's all now 22. Like, I'm doing the uh, Europe May and September of next year with the band. And then uh, it's just, it's just, everything just got pushed. So it's, you know, it's a pain, but there it is. All right. Let's talk about formal guitar education because we all have this experience. I I know where this is going. Yeah. You know exactly where I'm taking this one because we've all been there, you know, and it's, uh, we've all been students of the illustrious Stephen Aaron at the university of Akron. You know, me and Tim actually met in that program. You know, Tim was the crazy man that decided to do jazz and classical at the same time. Uh, (laughs) And did you study, was it Bob Fraser? You studied? Yeah, Bob. Yep. Yep. Come on, man. We're going to talk about him in a second. Yeah, but, all right, yeah, good. So man. we got all this connection. This is great. So what made you go for classical with that? Like, what was the thinking? There was no jazz there. No, I was kidding. <laughs> well, uh, it, was, it was Randy Rhodes, man. Like, okay, all right. Like, for me, you know, and obviously that's probably why I bounced out in three to four years without a degree is, you know. <laughs> But, you know, Randy Rhodes, he, that first Blizzard record, and that was a big thing. And, um, you know, um, I'll, 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 I'll get to my punchline, which is, I'm going to tell you, the greatest influence that I've had, and I, I say this all the time, not just because it's just us, uh, you know, mm-hmm. talking about it. Steve Aaron was life-changing for me. He really was. You know, uh, he's as we know him now, he's, he's a great guy, but you're in, when you're in his crosshairs, sitting in that chair, (laughs) there's no messing around. Like you're held accountable. Right. And it's time to get to work. And I got to say that I've maintained that, that fear that I've learned from him throughout what I do. Like, if I, if, if Steve was sitting here, how would I want to play, you know, or, you know, <laughs> he's been, he's been like a divining rod for me. So yeah, listen, did I, did I eventually end up graduating from Akron? You know, I did, but what I learned from him, he's, he imprinted me to this very day. All, all my, my, my career, my, my work ethic, my, how I view things. It's, it, it's, it's Stephen Aaron's fingerprint all over that. You know, so totally. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I he's sure... and scary. Let me just say oh, yeah. that. Man. <laughs> yeah, like, yep. man, I, I remember like... one time. Oh, uh, this is my first real like moment with him. Was I thought, man, I got this pieces from him to work on, and I like worked on him, and I was like, man, I got this, you know. And I played it, you know, and I I thought 
I thought at that time just playing the notes in the right time or whatever meant you were playing it. And like, <laughs> man, like the way he talked, like, he's like, that's nice. He's like, well, we're, now we have to learn how to actually play the song, you know, like, but it's, it was like, I, I thought I learned the wrong way, you know? And I was like, really had to like take a step back and realize, even though I thought I did a good job that I wasn't actually hearing the music, you know, or whatever. It was amazing. Still all rings in my head. Tell me though, sitting in, in his chair, I, of course, I can't think in the movie now. What's the scene where he's like, no, 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 my time. My time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, God. Oh, my God. I just drew a blank. It was right there. Uh, it's a jazz movie uh, with the drummer. The, and the guy from Oz. It? <laughs> yeah, the guy from – yeah, exactly. God, what, what is the movie? I can't, I can't think of the movie. Oh, God, I got to – clicking on the internet here. Okay, but while, while you're finding out what it is, we all know the scene. Uh, no, no, no. And, he, and he's calm at first. Right. And, and that's the evil thing of it, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. My time. My time. Hey, oh, that's okay. That's okay. My time. No. And <laughs> damn that's... it, if that isn't sitting with Steve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whiplash. That's Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. 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 yeah that scene, I was, I was, the first time that like scene got released as just a standalone, I was like, honey. This is what it. This is what it feels like. It's not legitimately like That's that. What it feels but like. when you're in that seat, it's like that. You know, it's like you you have him, and he's intense because he gets it, and yeah. he's not sure. letting yeah. you. And he wants to bestow that on you. Like he's intense because he gives a damn. And right. he's like, nope, here, nope, here. He's constantly like knocking you back into place, you know, to get those results that are going to be good because he knows what he's talking about. Right. You know, it still doesn't make it any less intimidating to sit in it. You know, oh, yeah. Even to this day, you know, if I heard Steve was going to show up at a concert of mine, I'd be like, oh, crap. You know, <laughs> it, 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 I, I haven't shaken that factor yet. No. Uh-huh. And, we don't want to. We don't want no, to. No, exactly. Yeah, we yeah. want to be respectful of. It's kind of yeah. it's a sign of respect. Not like I'm I'm peeing myself or anything like that. But it's like I want to do well because this guy has poured into me this amount of effort. You know, sure. and, and granted, I paid for it, but I paid for it for a reason because he because he cares. And there's nothing worse, at least uh, with myself and my teaching philosophy, than a teacher that just lets you do whatever the hell you want. Oh, you know, or if they like, say good job. Good job, Zach. Exactly. Yep. Everything is great. You know, that's fine. Way to go. Way to go. It's like, now that I'm teaching predominantly at at the the collegiate level, it's like I hear him come out of my mouth as a student, and I'm like, wow. But I get it now. And it's kind of fun to sit in the other chair. It's like, really, I'm not trying to make you nervous. I'm really not trying to give you this personality quirk of, oh my God, I can't play in front of the teacher. I, I, I just want you to be able to do this better. So I'm trying to guide you this way, but I come off as intense because I don't want you to step, don't waste the time of repeating it the wrong way again. Let's, let's fix it. Right but now. I, I think he, he understood always like, like, I, I think if I, if I failed at a lesson or whatever, I think he knew I was trying. No, I think he knew yeah. I was giving it the full effort. So, you know, like, yeah, he would be like, uh, I'll never forget. Uh, he said, I, "I faster, but I played it louder. I didn't say louder. I said faster. <laughs> and damn it, if I couldn't, I couldn't navigate that faster and not loud, you know. But I, you know, I, I, I was with in my class. There was some real. There was a few idiots that were just, you know. And I know he, he was. He threw metronomes <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, you know. But man." 
that's what we want. We we want yeah. to be beat up a little bit because it's for our own good. If mm-hmm. if he wouldn't do it, who would? I wouldn't. Sure. We wouldn't know. Yeah. Like, what do you base that off of? You don't yeah, have any. You, if you, you thought know, you were doing you good, like I said, I mean, I thought it was good. I would have been yeah. like, hey, look, I, I mastered this piece. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Maybe we should start with an easier piece. <laughs> <laughs> yep. if, I, if I may uh, shift, if we could talk about the ultimate badass of Bob Fraser, can we? Oh, man, Bob's the man. Man. So I... Uh, I was always I was I was fighting a dual personality back then. So yeah, I was in classical, but man, I was I was in a band and I was still a rocker. And you know, like I don't know if I, the fit wasn't great, but I didn't yeah. know it. It took me a few years to find out. You know, so I said, well, I'll take I'll take some jazz lessons because I, I play electric guitar. You know, so uh, it was in that first room in Gazetta Hall downstairs, that corner room, right as you walk downstairs. You know, and he. I, I didn't know who Bob was. And I see him come down. He's rolling his little jazz amp on his little roller, you know, and sits down. He has, you know, has, has a shirt unbuttoned, a little relaxed, relaxed. So has it like a 335. He's leaning back. And he goes, so what are you into? What are you into? And I said, well, you know, and I didn't mean it in a mean way. And I'm like, I don't know if you know this guy who I'm into. Well, well try. Who, who is it? I mean, his name's Ingvay Malmsteen. And he goes, oh, I love Ingvay, man. Oh, and yeah. he he proceeded. I mean, this is when Ingvay came out. So, like, I, I don't know if it was a new technique or what, but he he swept this, oh, like, yeah. insane, with a clean tone, seared my face off, seared my face off. <laughs> and from that that second, I was like, I, I was I was dedicated to Bob Fraser. Bob Fraser oh, is the ultimate badass. You know, oh, really? He, he's, uh, I don't, Adam, did you ever study with him at all? No, I never Bob did. was also the guy, man. He was the guy, you you never left a lesson without like five CDs in your hand or whatever. Like he was always <laughs> just like giving you music and like, check this out. And like, he still, I still get emails from him and it's like, oh, check out this video or check out this player. He's just, he's like constantly seeking and learning. So it's like not surprising to me at all about the Ingve. Like, some kid probably brought it to him and he was like, Oh man, that's cool. Like he just checked out anything and it wasn't all jazz. It could be anything. It was amazing. And he was really understanding with me because I think again, he, he, he could sense in my heart. I was, I was given all I had, but like Steve was, you know, on my back. I had a lot, you know, so I come in, I go, Bob, I, I didn't, you know, I, 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 here's what I got a chance to do this week. And cool. No, he always was like, he he knew Bob. I promise I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna stockpile it. And, <laughs> and he he just had such an understanding demeanor. But damn it, I'll tell you what, I I did eventually get everything that he gave me. I it just you know not in that semester, but yeah, he is a bad mofo, man. He can play absolutely. So very cool. Yeah. So what are you doing now? What's on Neil's plate in terms He's of had a year, year and a half vacation, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I just been sitting around collecting synthesizers. I don't know. Uh, um, Adam did tell so, me you were collecting synthesizers. That's not a no, joke. Yeah. I don't think, is it? No, <laughs> you know, what pile of money I had all went to synths. How does a dude that really doesn't play keyboards. I mean, I can play, but I, I would never perform, but I can record it. 
I got into this analog synthesizer stuff. I'm hooked. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a sickness. Uh, like <laughs> I got like some vintage. I got a vintage Poly Six, a vintage Mono Poly. I got I like all like you couldn't believe. It's crazy, but it helps in my writing and stuff. Yeah, sure. Like that. And they sound but but in, super cool. But in that, um, so I uh, had time, and I uh, just completed up through uh, the mixing. We're going to determine how what's going to happen with it. I just finished a new record. We just got to mix it though now. However, that's going to look, <laughs> and um, I'm really proud of it. I think the songs are really good. You know, everyone always says the same thing think it's my best work you know but <laughs> if we don't feel that then why are we doing it right yeah, sure. but, uh, um so yeah it's um the new record's gonna be called vermeer and um we're just i'm waiting to see how what we're gonna do if i'm gonna mix it or i like to get someone i like to get someone heavy to mix it it, it needs to be really mixed incredibly so yeah uh, that's where i'm at with that right now so yeah. Any expected release date? I, I'd like to get it by the end of the year. So th this week I just finished, I finished my roughs and then I'm going to send it to a few people. I, I, I've been talking to a few different mixers, but you know, we'll see financially if I can swing that after a year and a half of, <laughs> you know, living on granola, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Right. Sorry, have you been on a label recently or are you did you go independent? Yeah. Just just doing it myself. Yeah. It doesn't because make a lot really, of sense these for, days, right? Yeah, for me, uh, and I think for anyone, what you the the services you could get through TuneCore. I right. use TuneCore, you know, you get it on all yeah. the digital services. And uh um what's a label gonna do other than they're not gonna tour support you, they're not gonna they're just going to do whatever you, you, you can do yourself and you're going to give them a percentage. So yeah, sure. it's, they're not giving you any money. So, you know. now do you hire a promoter then of some sort? I think I will. Or I guess I, I should say past, more like a publisher or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to hire someone to, to, to get it on more than, you know, of course everyone, <laughs> everyone does something and they, well, I threw it on Facebook. That's right. I don't I'm, understand I'm why, uh, <laughs> you know, I put it on Instagram, I, you know, but you know, the, as you guys probably know, the funny thing is like, say with social, with Facebook or Instagram, like I could say, Hey man, I just released this new record. I just wrote this song. It's, it's, my heart was bleeding when I, when I wrote it and it's just really encapsulates everything I feel about life and existentialism and da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. 100 likes you know here's my cat sitting on the couch yeah. 500 likes like right. it, it, like are you kidding me <laughs> i think they do it just to mess with us too there's like we know you're trying to sell something yeah. yep right i'm tuned out right now i'm tuned out yeah. tuning you out so <laughs> That's why they give you all those emails about, you, you know, you can promote your stuff for $30. Buy, buy an ad buy at Facebook. It's, it's, it's Really? No. No. It's, I've given you enough free content. <laughs> I'm done with the other stuff. It is interesting, though, because I, I, you can see, like, so I have a show. Uh, I have a show Thursday at this, this new night stage next to Akron Civic. Or, like, One Dark Night or, you know, uh, I'm going to do One Silent Night this year at Goodyear Theater. Um 
when you first release something, you, you know, the news of it, oh, cool, we'll be there a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of interest. But yeah, I don't think you, you can't really beat people up a lot. Like a lot of people do oh, yeah. keep posting and then you just tune it out. So, you know, people are like, why don't you post more? But it's like people tune it out anyway. So let's not kill them with stuff, you know? So it's tough. The only thing that got traction, at least for us, was when we did that month of memes, like constantly posting a meme. Like I schedule it out for like 60 days of just like meme oh. after meme. After every time. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, we're getting all these tractions. It's like, well, we got that going for us, but can you go over and click on the podcast? You know? Yeah, that was funny, but you know, no, no, it's not. Maybe we just need to like take pictures of our animals or of right. an animal and put it Here's a his picture of my cat. Oh, by the way, I have a podcast out now. You know, right? <laughs> Don't I, I'll give it a shot. You know, apparently my dogs are cute or something. There's, so that, that'll work. There's a guitarist. Uh, he's kind of like a Tuck Andrews sort of guy. His name's Taylor mm-hmm. Roberts. I don't know if you guys see him on Facebook or whatever, but he'll post something like controversial. You know, like right. Trump, da 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 da, whatever. And then he says, "Come to my show." Like at the end. <laughs> 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 so we got like all these likes and it's like at the bottom yeah. come to my show at nine o'clock tonight at the da, 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 you know <laughs> it, it, it sounds like a good marketing yes yeah, it actually works pretty well yeah that's a good idea so that's <laughs> the attention you know that's uh and in today's day and age you're, you're shouting through so much noise to get somebody to focus for more than like two seconds before they move it's tough like that's that's tricky. It's like I have videos recorded that I'm just like, you know what? I just I just can't do that anymore. I just don't. Nah, nah it's not there. You know, that, it's it's interesting you say that, though, because people always say, well, like, why don't, why don't you post more of you playing or like when you get a I signed up for TikTok, but I haven't posted, you know, and I know it's like so, so old man of me <laughs> that like, but like I'll get on, say, TikTok, I'll look and like everyone and their brother has posted playing right mm-hmm. so then i'm thinking like dude by the time they get to me they, they've heard everything already like <laughs> so like maybe that that's not the way to do it for me i don't know you know what i'm saying like sure. it's just sensory overload mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i, I mean, use, use it as like a sort of a experiment and it's mostly depressing, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah, it's never it's never like the thing, like you said, like this is the song that I wrote for my wife or whatever, my kid that I put everything in my heart into, and you get like three likes. But then if you show some crazy tapping technique or something, then, you, you know, a thousand people like it. So you're like, okay. Or, or even worse, like, like when I go on uh, TikTok and I, I, maybe I, I just I look something real fast, like a girl – and listen, I love girls in bikinis. You know, I, we all do. But like 500,000 likes for them, mouth, uh, lip syncing, a rap song. Like that's <laughs> right. even more discouraging, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, so I, I know, listen, we can't change it. It is what it is. But I just don't know if that's the best, you know, like here's a tune off on your record. Let me play you uh, 30 seconds of it. I don't know if that, I'll try it coming up, but it. <laughs> I don't know. I it doesn't hurt. You, and, and it's one of those you never know. It's the one thing you didn't think yeah. was going to yeah. take off and all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like the, the, the funny is like on my YouTube channel, the thing that has one of the most views is that node play along 
Like I went through the notebook and played all the accompaniments. It's right. like, boom, that's what it's like taken off. It's like, okay, I mean, I'll take it, whatever. And honestly, I did that as a service for everybody. I, I did it for my college students. So I'm like, listen, just go to my YouTube channel if you need to practice. I have the accompaniment so you can hear what it is to play with somebody. That's another step where if you're playing by yourself, that's one thing. Having that feedback of somebody else and keeping you in time is going to really kind of develop things. So just go to here. But like all of a sudden, like you can look at the schematic things and then like in India, it's like huge. It's like the weirdest thing to me, though. It's so crazy and surreal how small the world is and how big the world is. That's Absolutely. You know, that, that's just crazy, but it's interesting. And on that, the, on kind of that, no, this, this is not connected at all. I'm going kind of random here. So you have your own key, uh, Kiesel guitars. The, yes, the, I my own signature model. I'm going to, okay, I forgot the model. What is it? it it's like the... Um, the uh, NZ624. But then I, I, I just, I started using a, a Kiesel Aries more and more. So now they, we released a, an NZ, I don't know what that, they, they use model numbers, so I don't know what it is. Uh, NZ something or other. But it's it's an Aries uh, with a thinner neck, a matte colored finish, and uh, one volume knob. It's it's a real, like, Sweet. clean machine. But yeah. So how did you get hooked up with them, if you don't mind? Like, how did that process happen? Did somebody say, hey, we're X guitars, you know, you're a really good guitar player. Would you like to jump on our brand type of thing? And then that I'm assuming it probably wasn't just one brand that did that with you. So did you like wheedle it down after talking to them or did you just like have this idea and approach them? How did that I work think out? You used to play court. You had the court stuff too. Right. right? Yeah. So, so I had, uh, it was, um, it, it was a, it was a good deal for me. So I was with court guitars for a few years and they did that NZ, NZ1 and NZ2. And it was it was a great deal because the guitars were low priced, but I, I still thought they played really good. Mm-hmm. And so like they sold a ton. And then there the company was behind me with with clinics and worldwide promotion and touring. So that really helped a lot. Like that was a, a big yeah, that's awesome. boost at that point in my career. And I, and I rode that as, as hard as I could. Then I guess it's like a record label where, you know, you lose your team, they all leave, and now you're like, like <laughs> my team's gone and we're not doing anything. So um, I knew I wanted to leave court, and I one of my buddies had a carven, and he came to the studio, and I played it. I'm like, oh, my God, this guitar is, is incredible. I, I loved it. Um so then he uh, he hooked me up with the artist relation guy, and then we ended up flying to uh, my manager and me at the time flew to San Diego where Carvin or Kiesel now is located. Jeff Kiesel, and, and then we we uh, we met with uh, at that time it was called Carvin, and we met with Jeff, who was I think the national sales manager at the time, and Mark, his dad, and uh, Richard, the artist relation guy. We had a nice talk and. Um, and then we just said, let's do something. And so actually the guitar that I wanted, they said, so what guitar do you like? And they had a carved top, a 22 fret carved top that I loved, but I, I, I use 24 frets. Like a lot of the stuff I do, I, I play has high, a high E. Yeah. So they, oh, we can't do that. No, we don't have anything else you like, anything else you like. And so I kept, I kept pushing on that. 
I want that carved top, but I want it in a 24 fret. So finally they decided to make uh, that CT 24, I think they call it carved top 24. And that turned out to be the, the NZ 624. And so, um, so it's been a, good, a great relationship with them. Uh, and as I said, now I've been play, playing these Aries. Jeff uh, let me play an Aries at a NAMM show. And I was like, man, I love this. So normally we went from the, you know, the dovetailed in neck and the, the, the really heavy body that to a, like a bolt on. Yeah. And I, I love it. it, it it's fantastic. So um, I've had a great relationship with them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's not like the old days though, where, you know, like when I was with, with PV or something like we're going out doing clinics, you know, uh, all throughout the year and stuff like that. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely a smaller operation in terms of like promotion and stuff like that. But yeah. honestly, there's not another guitar I'd want to play. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's not even about, it's not even about like anything other than I love the guitars at this point. So, I mean, I, think cool. they've, I mean, they've obviously built a reputation of having like incredible guitar players on their roster too. Right. I mean, it's like a, a list. It's like the guitar players, guitar players list of, great players I like mean, they had when when i and i got in like i was so outclassed like they had alan holdsworth right. frank Gambali, uh, they had a few other guys uh, yeah, they were making the legacy, his legacy amps right so vi and all that too it, it, right yeah. right and you know listen it when when uh they made a decision to change the name and split the company and you know everyone uh, that i talked to man i don't know if jeff knows what he's doing it's you know carvin you could never duplicate that success and you know whatever and jeff like just said screw it and i'm a, i'm using my name i'm using the family name kiesel right. and it was like oh you know like then i would talk to oh, he's making a mistake and i was i i didn't buy it though i really didn't i i knew and now a kiesel is you know it's a it's a really great renowned brand sure for a, the modern player and i, I love it because jeff just did what he wanted to do he's like Hey man, we're changing the name. We're going to customize stuff. He started bringing in, I don't play those, but he started bringing in the headless stuff, mm -hmm. which is what the new breed of player loves. Yeah. You know, Adam, it's you know, it, it is comfy. Yep. <laughs> you know, so uh, he, he, he followed, he followed his own gut and, and he was absolutely correct <laughs> in, in, in what he did. Asterisk. <laughs> little asterisk on the, not a Kiesel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but no, it's, I, I looked at him. I really did, but I just couldn't justify spending that much on something that's not like the prime thing that I do. So. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. so Neil, so you have a new record. You, uh, I guess you, we're, we're all guitar players here. Any like nerdy stuff you want to tell us about like gear used on it and, uh, sort of like anything new, different, cool you learned? Um, well, that's, that's actually a good question. And you would think I would have been ready with an answer. <laughs> Come on. Um, you know, the, the more I record, I'm just, I'm, I'm grasping at answers now, but like, I'll say like, I've learned that sometimes, less is more not, not in, just in terms of melody or whatever, yeah. but like, instead of like stacking six guitars on something like I would before, or like have all these interlocking parts and all the like, like, and then you go to mix it and it, it's just, it, it's so dense. Nothing sticks out. I, for me, I, I, I found that two, like, let's say a rhythm track, 
two tracks panned. And then I have, uh, I have this baritone that's on the top of the couch right, right there. It's a Dan Electro baritone. Oh, nice. Right <laughs> up the middle. And so you bury, you bury the, the, the baritone a little bit underneath for that weight. And that's all you need, you know? So I learned uh, l- less guitars. Are you using amps? Are you using modeling? Or what are you using? Uh... Um, I used, on this record, I used all modeling. Like I used, I started uh, using this Neural DSP mm-hmm. Pliny plugin. Yeah. Yep. And man, like it just, I love it. It sounds amazing. And so like when I started uh, getting these mixes together, I'm like, all right, you know, I, I, I record the dry track and then I, I'll bounce it out. But I always have the dry track if I want to reamp it. And like on some of my other records, I have like I have a great selection of heads. I have uh, I have diesels, these wizards, these old marshals, these like I have some really killer heads. And I'm like, I'm cool. Like I, I it, it just awesome. sound it sounds good. So. Um, yeah, and, and as far as guitars, I I, I really uh, stick to a few of them. So um, I'll tell you this: one of the one of the things I, I find funny is everyone thinks a Telecaster is a country guitar, you know. But I'm telling you what: you put some distortion, some overdrive on a Tele, and man, that thing is articulate. It cuts oh, yeah. through. You hear the notes ring. So. I used uh, this this blue Aries I have, uh, the spalted top blue Aries uh, for most everything. But I sparkled in some uh, some telly on top of it, and it just it just popped like magic. Oh, yeah. So you know the telly man. <laughs> I'm a, I, I had was on a search being a lefty. Like finding guitars sucks, right? So we're always just ordering it, crossing our fingers, hoping that it's good. And if, you know, you bat about fifty percent, and maybe you're doing okay. Um, so I've been seeking out a telly. Like I knew I wanted one, um, but I, I, there's not a lot of places to try it. But there's this place in Houston that has all left-handed guitars. So I tried a ton of them there, and like, you know, like I knew it existed, but I didn't find one. You know, I couldn't find the one right, I want. Right. You know, like I wasn't the right one, and uh, but I finally did get one like six months ago from K Line. I don't know if you have ever seen that brand, but they're you know hand. It's a custom, handmade one, but it, it's just awesome. You know, it's like the more vintagey, right. fatter neck kind of thing. But man, it has so much personality and oh, stuff like you said, and you can rip with that thing if you want. I mean, it sounds killing. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge Tele convert so right now. With game, yeah. like you put some distortion on it. It, it, you hear the notes. It, it doesn't oh, yeah. mush out. My telly is a, it's a Nash telly. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it, and it's, dude, I love it. So oh, yeah. it's, uh, I love it. I like it. I, brought yeah. it. I did bring in my, my old Van Halen stuff. So like that, that jet flanger thing he does like in the cradle of rock uh, 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 from uh, unchained or whatever. Yeah. So I, I have the old vintage MXR uh, flanger and phase 90. So I, I, I brought that in more than I ever have before. So, Sweet. you know, you know, so. awesome. So we're looking at a, probably before the end, the end of the year for that to come out, you got your show 
coming out uh, on Thursday, and that yeah, is what's, so. What's the show? What's what's going on Thursday? Is that your group or what? It was what's, what's that? yeah. So that that'll be uh, that'll be my band, and uh, so uh, Akron Civic uh, as. If you guys have been downtown in Akron, they've totally redone all that. So right next to the Civic, they have a, a smaller performance hall now. It's called the Night Stage, and uh, it's got two hundred people, and it's 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 a really cool place. So the real the grand opening is this week, so that's nice. why they asked if I'd play. And so we're gonna play, uh, you know, a, a regular meal set. Uh, you know, we're gonna do some stuff off the new record even though no one will know it that they'll be, you know, what the hell is that song? You know, but, uh, um, so we're going to do Just that. It rocks. Of course. Yeah. We're hoping we're hoping. Yeah. And then, um, so then right after that, then prep starts for that, that big orchestral one dark night, which is always, it's just a behemoth, you know? So I actually started trying to remember some of the pieces, you know, and listen, Adam, what am I talking? You know, you, you, you do this crazy stuff and uh, Tim, you, you do too. I'm, I'm just a, like a dumb rock player, but like, hardly. I, I'm looking for muscle memory on this stuff because it, it, it's intense stuff. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta start learning it soon. So, you know, well, I mean the gigs in three days, that's not even something I would do. Oh, okay. I was so, going to say that's uh, you can do the other gig in his sleeve. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I got this. Yeah. But, but, you know, it was, I'll say this. It was really strange to, to, to knock the, the live performance rust off. So yeah, right. was I playing every day and recording? Yeah. Phrase at a time or, you know, some, but to actually like have the live chops, it took me a few weeks to get back to the vibrato being correct and like the, the swagger, you know. So I still haven't been doing much gigs yet, which is weird because I mean, since I was like fifteen or something, I was doing gigs at least once a month till right, right. till the pandemic, right? So I've only done a few, yeah. I mean, and I'm like, uh, it's, it's so rusty. Even just like the like switching pedals and like getting your gear in the right order and like getting a sound and it's all the little things you sort of like the planes, one part of it, but the, it's all the logistics of everything else you got to sort of sort through. No, it, it like the library, like for me, we got to the rehearsal. I'm like, you know, I five uh Axe FX three. I use, all right, yeah. so that goes here. I have to fit, but I don't know. How do I, how do I hook this up? Where does this go? Right. And I use in ears. Where does the in ears come from again? Like yeah, that's totally how it I was out of too. my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, it's I just walk out with a guitar <laughs> for the most part. You know, bragger you, <laughs> and, and maybe then he, like then a he just stinks, and it's it's fine. No, I was gonna say. Yeah, exactly. No, hey, that that does happen. That's just part of it. You know, and I got nobody to blame myself with that. Okay. I can't look at the drummer and be like, "What the hell?" You know, like, oh so man, this this pedal just broke. I don't know why it sounds so horrible. Yeah. You know what I should do is bring out pedals and just put them out in front, just to see if I get like a rise out of the audience. You know, like just in the middle of a Bach piece, just step on a pedal and it. You know, they're not plugged in, but see if anybody's like, "What well, the placebo effect?" Effect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, when you hit that pedal. I heard it, it just sounded <laughs> just opened the the tone up, man. Yeah, a lot exactly. louder. Yeah, yeah exactly. just the volume knob on that thing. <laughs> Good God, man! Oh, that's just part of, that I don't miss. I mean, I will say that I, as much as I love plugging into a stack and just having it shake stuff, 
it's really nice to just walk out with an instrument. That's that that's and that's just it. You know, sit. Okay, that's cool. I mean, the only thing that I have to really worry about is like how live is the room. So I got to make sure I get there early to just like play around and hear how stuff reflects back and you know. It, that whole like i remember reading an article by some flute uh player but famous one where he was talking about like yeah i really have to listen to the room and hear how stuff comes back and you know some notes will be more resonant than others just because of the way the room is laid out and it's just going to do that and then you do all that and like i was like that's getting ridiculous (laughs) until i actually started doing that and i was like oh no no that's totally true like this room this c it's just booming but the rest of them not so much and you do that but then it fills up with people and so you have to kind of do another adjustment. Yeah, well, let me rephrase that. Hopefully it fills up with people. And then you have to do another adjustment and, you know, to kind of play off of that to make sure everything's kind of like even for the audience, or at least to my own ears with that. But, you know, it, uh, I, 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 I remember lugging the old Mesa around for a while. There, that, that 80 pounds. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to go to the second story. Sweet. That's just great. You know, I'm glad I did all that when I was 20. So, <laughs> so Neil, you, you bring an in-ear thing. Do you do your own monitor mix then for yourself? Absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I, say, was, I was, that's the worst part. I, I was just, Adam, when you're saying like for me and, and this even have, I did a, I did a, a, a little quick little track performance at the night stage last week for the, they had a donor thing and I, I, I played a few tunes and you know, if, uh, it, it, it always happens. I didn't bring my in-ears. Normally, I have a little, I have a, I have a, a different, I have, a, I have two different in-ear rigs. I have a little one I can, I can travel with and one's in my big rack. But, you know, sound check, good, cool monitor, a little, little track, a little guitar, and then I'll get the rest off the hall. Cool. Sounds great. Don't touch anything. Sounds great. What happens? I come, I, I walk out. All right. Please welcome Neil Zaza. Click. It's all guitar in my monitor. No, no track. I don't hear the track. I hear maybe a little, little hi hat or something from the, the house, and I and I, I was hating myself at that very moment because, this is why I use in ears. So, because I I, no one touches my stuff. So with with the band, uh, my normal rig is I go out of my fractal to the house. PA gets one feed and then one side goes to my inner in ears and then uh then i have a band mix or and or tracks into my ears they could do anything they want we don't need monitors whatever you do however you're screwing up the front of house it doesn't affect me because no one touches my stuff from sound check to when i go on stage it's the exact same mm-hmm. so right. it's it because it, that's the it, worst it would be that's the to be you you know yeah Oh, totally. It's like, like you're flying blind. And as much as like when that Mariah Carey thing for the uh, the New Year's thing where everybody right. hopped on her, which I kind of did too. But at the same time, you know, it was like, oh, wait, technical glitches totally changed my opinion on that. It's like if you can't hear what you're trying to sing to or play to, it's like, right, right. It, you're done. You're, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah. you're, you're, yeah, I mean, you're blind. It's not like Mariah Carey needs to prove herself as a singer either. Exactly. <laughs> we know she can <laughs> sing. Right. It's, exactly. yeah, right. Yep. Or do you remember in Van Halen, they, they, they were using tracks for the keyboards for jump. And, oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. it was 40, it was 48, not 44 one or vice versa. And like, it was a disaster. Yeah, what what can you do? Awesome. Yep. You just got to keep going. That's it. You know, and speaking of which, 
We always, or I always like to ask the question of the best gig and the worst gig that you've done. And clearly you've got a plethora of stuff to choose from. So, you know. If, well, anytime he doesn't have his in-ears, it's the worst gig. <laughs> it's always the worst gig. No, I, um, the, my worst gig was, it was, it was way back um, when I was going to Akron U. Uh, so what was... What was above the chuckery? It was like a uh, like a hall, the second level or whatever, the student center. We were opening for some band there, and um, Trent Reznor was in the band, <laughs> not in my band, but the band we were opening. It was called The Innocent, and so it was Zaza's first gig. So we we're going to come out and like just big crescendo, and I was going to be you know one, two, three, four, you know, rock them from the. And I don't know what I what I was thinking. One, two, and I like I fell over and like <laughs> oh, I, fell, no. I tripped or something. I fell on my guitar, broke the guitar, hurt my back, and <laughs> had to stop. It was a disaster, uh, man. So uh, I, I never been mortified is the word. Oh that, man, that it was. So from that point, I was like, man, if I if I'm if I'm upright it's a good gig <laughs> yeah the bar got suddenly lower on that one it's like, hey look the guitar's in one piece this is a win we made it yeah. well like there was there was one other gig where it was new year's eve uh we, we were we were playing this pack club back in the day and i had strep throat i didn't feel good and i i walked out and it was hot and i had strep throat and i felt weak and all of a sudden room starts spinning spinning I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass out. Oh my god, you know, and it's like that inner voice. Oh my god, I'm gonna pass out, and then the vision starts get, like closing in. I, oh my god, and I, I remember I ran off stage in the dressing room, and and I, I oh, so you I actually got off stage, yeah. yeah, but it, it, but it's the pressure of oh my god, it was looking at me. What? How, how am I gonna? How am I gonna explain it? And you know, it it, it it's like a little anxiety thing. You know, it, yeah. I was sick, but you know, yeah, yeah. What about you guys? Oh God! <laughs> I think uh, I think I've told the story before, um, but my worst one was uh, I was playing a gig in DC. They flew me out. It was like one of my big, what I considered like a potential big breakthrough. It's like, oh wait, they want me to play in DC. They're flying me out to play at this uh, coffee house amphitheater thing, and everything. It's like sweet, let's do it. And that was when I was doing my single uh, guitar, uh, you know, the slappity tappity acoustic guitar stuff. Right, right. And so. Uh, Get there, get to, I only have one guitar, you know, it, it, that's just the nature. One, I'm being left-handed, so it's not like I could go out and buy another tailor off the stick or you know, whatever. So I'm there, first song, bust a string, I did, which uh, it was the D string out of everything, which I've never done before. Like I've never broken bass strings. It's always been the treble ones. And, and I, these were new strings that were on it. You know, it's like new strings, blah, blah, blah. So what the hell, you know, it, it, one guitar, Restrung it real quick, walked back out, you know, and I, I still had the audience, you know, kind of laughed it up, blah, blah, blah. Started up again. A string goes. <laughs> Just like, what? And these are down tuned. Like, these are not like, you know, in your standard tuning thing. Anyways, long story short, first three songs, three strings went. The D, the A, and the Oh, my a. God. And then after that, there was like no, like... You're like Paganini, man. You're like Paganini. You just played on the other strings. Yeah, if only, you know. <laughs> I don't think Did I you at least cut yourself or something, Adam, to make it look like it was, you were cool, you know, like no, blood I was on the guitar. <laughs> I was not that cool at that point. It was, uh, it was, 
they were nice, but I could totally tell that like I lost the audience and the the promoter and everything else. It was like, yeah, this isn't this isn't. We're not friends anymore, are we? whatever it just it it happened and that was that you know everybody got everybody has a terrible gig it's just the way that it goes it's just like you die bomb something happens something usually it's something technical it usually has nothing to do with like the actual performing because even if you're performing if it doesn't go well to yourself or whatever you can always kind of make it up as time goes on you know in in that particular show you'll get your groove and most people will forget unless it's something technical like passing out or breaking multiple strings or right. what uh, right. Tim's thing, which Fall. was actually pretty recent. Right. Your little uh, technical mishap with the streaming and everything else. The which one? The... Didn't you like you were up at the pop stop and you were going to stream it, but then they're in. Oh, they, that wasn't. I mean, that what can you do? We we yes. were playing in the. It didn't work. No, the probably the worst one, which is another. Uh, it seems not as bad as the two of yours, but it was kind of funny. So I always bring two guitars. Always bring extra amps, etc., because I'm trying to be cautious. Well, you know, you do enough gigs. Eventually, I was like, hey, nothing ever broke. No, never any problems. You know, so I was like, you know, I don't need to bring an extra gig or an extra guitar um, to this gig. And it was a it was a CD release party of all things. You oh, know, no. and uh, I remember we we had a, it was a good show. It was a good turnout. Um. And we had this the way we were intro, and it was like dee doo dee dee doo dee da or whatever. And it was like you know big drums and everything. The whole thing was going, and it was like dee doo bang, and the the D string broke. And it was on a I have a GNL Legacy floating bridge, right? And the whole guitar is out of tune. The whole guitar is out of tune. And then I go through my gig, and the band keeps playing. They didn't stop. I go through my bag. I didn't have any D strings. So all I could find was a G string. That was the closest thing that I had because I was really prepared, apparently. <laughs> Normally, I had all this stuff. So I put a G string for where the D string was. And, of course, it's floating bridge. So, like, it's really oh. not at into, you know. It took me a good 10 minutes to get the thing to, like, sort of settle. But I did some gnarly bends on that D string that night. <laughs> <laughs> Man. But just the gut feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so screwed. Right oh, now. I know. I was like, of all the times I didn't bring an extra guitar. Because, I mm-hmm. I mean, I don't break strings very often, but occasionally it happens, right? So you have an extra, and you grab it, and, you know, mm-hmm. so 20 seconds later you're still playing. But mm-hmm. not that day. <laughs> and then there was no D string. Like, it's like, who breaks yeah. D strings? Like, that, that yep. never happens. Right? right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have a stellar gig that sticks out in your memory now? Um, I, I can't. I can't say there, there's one that sticks out. I mean, I, I've had some great overseas dates with, like in China, you're, you're playing and you, it's as far back as you could see. Or, um, uh, I, I have to say, I don't have uh, the the best gig ever. You mm. know, yeah. I, it's so funny. I always remember that the worst things and the funniest stories, but the good stuff seems to fade away with me. I don't know what that's about. So how about, you know. a, so you, you've traveled all over. Do you have a favorite, I'm not going to say favorite city, but let's say favorite food somewhere. You've had some amazing food somewhere. You were just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Um, that, that's a really good question. Um, of course, you know, my number one's going to, I'm going to say is Italy because yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. the food, the coffee, like that's, 
you know, I, I'm an espresso nut because of Italy, you know, yeah. because of the co- that, that's real coffee. This Starbucks shit we drink, you know, it's <laughs> nonsense. But, um, you know, I got to say, I eat in China. I'm a vegetarian. So uh, they have this this bro- this garlic broccoli that I cannot find anywhere but in China. Like I just order, it's a Xilin Kwa, which is Chinese for broccoli. And, and it's like, and I'll just, I, like I, I have that delivered to me. Like and I just, <laughs> so there's just some stuff you just can't get in the United States. And that's one of the things, yeah. but. Awesome. Italy, man. The, the, the food is religion there, man. It's, you know, as you. You guys, have you guys been to Italy at all or Europe at all? I've been to Europe a bunch, but I've never made it to Italy. I was just telling somebody about that the other day. I've, I've spent most of the time in Germany and France. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I know I'm like, I just need to take the countries. train Those down to Italy. Countries. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Those are great countries. Oh, yeah. I, that's great over there. I the, the coffee's France, so much it. better. <laughs> I don't remember the coffee when I was over there. At no, the it's that, I'm always that, so happy. You're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. yeah. All I did though, over there when I was studying in, in France, it was brie and baguette sandwiches with tomato. Like that was like I lived. <laughs> that was it. It was it was so good though. I mean, it was because right. where we were, like I was living at Pierre Ben Suzanne's house. That's like where the seminar was, and you know he lived in this village of 180 people. That was it. So they literally would like the baker would drive through in the morning and you'd wait outside and he'd come and you'd order your stuff and give him the money and he'd give you your bread for the day. And that, so the bread was like right fresh type of thing and get your food and, you know, you know, it's like, okay, let's get the cheese and whatever you know, it was a bunch of other people. So let's get our meat for the day and and oh my God, like it was so good, stellar stuff. And I got to play in a 900-year-old church there. That was pretty wild. Like oh, amazing. Like that. Yeah, that's cool. Concrete. It was it was tremendous. I mean, he had us all do like the community concert there. Where it wasn't where we were. It was like a, a town up of like rather than 180, there was like a thousand people there. So, right. but uh, it was it was pretty cool. Is it funny in the U in the U.S. It's like yeah, this is very old. It was from 1879. That's right. Yeah, like, exactly. It's a century. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember looking at the wall and I'm like, "That's this was built in 980." Like, and they right. have the names of the priest of whatever you know. I can't remember the name of the church, but like every single one, all the way through, like, "Well, look, that was this plague, and that was the downfall of this country, and that right. was this." Here's World War One and two, and this place is still here. Holy cow, this is old. Oh, it's, it's, it's humbling. It's humbling. Oh yeah. yeah. So, very cool. Good. All right. Well, this has been a blast. This has been great, guys. Thank you so much for having oh, yeah. me out. And you guys are you guys are amazing, man. I appreciate this. <laughs> we appreciate the little ego boost with that. Yeah, we'll right. take that coming from you, you know, this is great. You guys are amazing. I love you guys. <laughs> We've got one That'll of be on merch. <laughs> That'll be on our merch. You know, New Lava says we're amazing. What about I love you guys? <laughs> so, all there. Course, all right. If you want to get back on when your record comes out, of course, let us know. Yeah, totally. Happy that to would be awesome. So, That'd be awesome. Let's do that's plan on that then for sure. Just for the deets yeah. of the gig again, it's Thursday at the the, the night stage the at night 730. seven thirty. What at seven thirty. And that's in Akron, Ohio. So Yeah, and uh the night stage is right literally right next to Akron Civic to the right. Oh, that's so, cool. Very nice. cool. Awesome. So, we'll be rocking it out. So 
Excellent, man. Killing. All yeah, right, so guys, check out Neil. So buy much. all of his albums. Yep. Um, buy them. Don't buy stream his them. videos. Call him, study with him, whatever. Yeah. Get him to produce your album, whatever. <laughs> yes. Come on, man. I need you guys. I need you guys. Awesome. <laughs> all right, Neil. All right, thank man. You thank much. you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. All right. We'll see ya. Bye-bye.